Hello, boys and ghouls, and welcome to an episode featuring a host of hosts. Because our subject is horror hosts. So, stay tuned as we get to know those macabre men and women who haunted the late-night TV airways as they presented Shock Theater, Chiller Theater, Mystery Science Theater, and Creature Features. So, hey, Kat. Hey, Marshall. Did you think of this topic? I know it's something we were going to do for a while. Um, Horror hosts. We've been sitting on it for a while. It just hasn't happened yet, and it seemed like a good time. A couple months ago, we covered Fright Night, Mm -hmm. which is probably the most any horror host has been in a single movie. But besides seeing horror hosts here and there, like, we knew Elvira, but by the time we grew up, Elvira was already just like a personality. She was just a character that existed in the ether. Like, I just knew who Elvira was. She was just out there in the world. She's Elvira. Which is almost better because you got a few years thinking that this woman just exists. <laughs> like, we don't even know what her job is. She would just show up in commercials. This Halloween goes psycho with Elvira and win a party with Mug Root Beer and me. So we both grew up kind of aware of horror hosts in a very sort of non-specific way. Yeah. And then you see it enough times and you're like, oh, that was a job. Well, uh, no, I had to have it explained to me by you. Okay. I can't explain to you enough how this has been such a learning experience for me. Just this, this podcast in general, but especially this episode. I mean, years ago, you put... That Drax Dinner. What the heck's the name of that song? Uh, I believe that was a... Dinner with Drax. Dinner with Drax. By Zachary. Yeah. I didn't know who that was. You know, it was fun. And when I was doing research for this and I was like looking up Zachary, it listed that song and I was like, I'd better listen to this. And then again, I was like, I've heard this song a million times on my Halloween mixes. I didn't understand who this was. I can't stress enough to you how I had to like learn about this because I didn't understand that it was a thing until you started using that phrase with me. Awesome. This is Creature Feature, exploring the realm of the unknown. So while I came up peripheral to horror hosts, it's alarmingly new to you. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm going to uh, let you take the helm and let me know what you found, what excites you about the topic. No pressure. Shock. After shock. After shock. After shock. After shock. So before we go back and talk about Vampyra, let's just talk about shock theater, because I think that was... The shock package? The shock package. Yes. When things sort of proliferated. And then we can go back and go... But did you know that Vampiro is considered widely to be the first horror host? <laughs> Which was just a couple of years before By the, the way, shock package was, was I can't figure released. out who was the first mm. on television. You know, it's like they reach Vampira and then they'll say, and before that was like the radio hosts right. being like, welcome to Inno Sanctum and that stuff. And then someone in the American Scary documentary said it was a guy named Marvin. 
and they didn't bring anyone on to go, no, no, it was actually this guy in this city. It's all kind of nebulous. I keep seeing Vampira under one of the first, mm-hmm. but we can totally agree I've she was... I've seen people say arguably the first with her. Okay. At least the first that came to huge prominence. Totally. But I digress. Mm. Um, I do want to just center ourselves in October 1957, which is when Screen Gems released this bundle of old Universal Horror movies, calling them Shock. That was the collection, which I thought it was interesting and worth noting that it was part of a larger acquisition of 550 total films, all of which were not horror films. But they took the horror ones and went, here are local stations all over the country. Here are all these movies. You should be showing them. And hey, why don't you put a host? They suggested using a horror host. Because there were already some hosts and they found that showing these movies with hosts would produce higher ratings. Yes. And they were shown Friday, Saturday nights, weekend nights, typically. Typically. So there were 52 movies. They included a bunch of the classics that we know and love. Dracula, Frankenstein from 1931, The Mummy, The Invisible Man, The Wolfman, and then Son of Shock, which was the second package, was released in 1958. And that included some films from Columbia Pictures as well. And... It was very popular, like, yeah. sometimes beating out some other newer shows because people really latched onto this. They had fun with it. Hey, you guys, I got an idea. Why don't we form a Zombo Club and we can all watch Zombo together? Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. that was the greatest. So with that just as a framework for how this stuff got going, it was really as simple as that. And what's turned this into something that we're spending this time talking about today is the fact that there is a rabid and charming cult following for the horror host in general and lots of individual horror hosts specifically. And that is due to the fact that the horror host was really key for a lot of kids growing up with them to pull them in and go, hey, it's okay, this is fun. And I feel like horror hosts did that for people, for kids maybe who stayed up past their bedtime and they're in the living room and they're watching something they shouldn't be watching. But just when they think they're too scared to keep going, the commercial break hits and you've got Goulardi or Sven Gulli or whoever making stupid, hilarious, punny jokes. And then you're, it just, it diffuses the tension and you realize you're fine. It's just a movie. Well put. Now, specifically, I mean, you just threw a few names out. Um, Did you go after any particular horror hosts? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, do we go straight for Vampyra? Let's. Let's go to Vampyra, because that's another thing where I've heard the name a lot of times. You saw and, the movie Ed Wood. But other than that, I, I didn't, I certainly didn't understand her in context. And I didn't think about, you know, looking at the very few clips that I've seen of Vampyra, you think about her busting out onto the scene in the 50s. You know, the post-war 50s where people were very comforted by Leave it to Beaver and I Love Lucy and these comforting sitcoms and and the safety of the nuclear family and all of that. And in the midst of all of that, she was anything but a housewife, you know, just sexy, skin-tight, screaming, dangerous, haunting, saucy, very smart and ferocious and sort of how dangerous that was at the time. But how you get away with it because it's performance. Oh. 
I read that one of Vampira's bits was that she ran as a candidate for Nightmare of Hollywood with a platform of dead issues. Nice. And she was the model for Maleficent. That makes sense. Disney's Sleeping Beauty. Doesn't it make sense? I never knew. Yeah. I love that. I can see that now. Maleficent's so scary. Anyway, I just, I couldn't believe that. This was really just the tip of the iceberg for me to go learn more about Vampira. I'm just quite charmed. I think she's a honey. Look at those jugs. One of the tragedies for most horror hosts, and Vampire is certainly no exception, is how little footage still exists. And the footage of her walking down the hall and then having the scream and being like, oh, screaming relaxes me, so. Mm-hmm. That was actually filmed to show to, like, sponsors. Like, that wasn't even one of the part of the show proper. Ones, as it were. It's very sad how little footage there is. So mostly what we have are lots of photos mm-hmm. and after-the-fact interviews as she became a cult figure. There's some nice pictures of uh, the band The Misfits were doing some uh, in-store signings here in Los Angeles and found out where she lived and actually put a nice letter, like, through her transom saying, like, we have a song called Vampira. Uh, we're going to be at this record store tomorrow. It'd be great if you could come. And she showed up in, like, full regalia. In the, you know, this would have been like the early 1980s. I'm sad that I didn't know enough years ago to like follow her when she was still alive. During those years when you were in LA and she was in LA? Yeah, it hurts me to know that I missed that because seeing interviews with her, she's so irreverent. I watched an older interview of her with Dana Gould. She's so charming. She's just this chunk of like old Hollywood legend whose career took an interesting path and then kind of got cut short when she refused syndication of her character. They like pulled the plug on her show and it's like her, her, she could have gone in a different direction, but I don't know. It's just so interesting. So you say she was canceled because she didn't want to go into syndication? That's what I read is they wanted to put her into syndication and she refused and retained the rights to her character and wouldn't release them. And so they said, fine, you're not going to have your show anymore. I heard for the first time during this research that ABC was trying to make a deal with Charles Adams for the Adams family. And pretty much she was doing a version of what would become Morticia character in the Charles Adams cartoons. Yes. And they were going to try to get an Adams Family show going, which they did within the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then dropped her because she was like their unlicensed version of Morticia. That makes sense that there are slightly different versions of the story. And that one kind of no one's at fault. and right. There's no real hard feelings. And the dates line up. And it gives credit back to Charles Adams. Right. So I kind of like that version. Yes, I'll take that version. The other story I read that was kind of a he said she said thing was how elvira's show you know elvira's movie macabre started there are a few different versions i've heard of that that involve vampira and or myla nermy and how she said that she showed up and they had elvira there and didn't ask her if elvira could be involved and so she got mad and left the whole thing but elvira's version of it is that myla nermy wanted someone else to be cast as this role and they wanted elvira and so she i don't know yeah i'm I'm just sort of piecing together different bits that I've heard. I think they brought in Myla Nurmi to revamp Vampyra. Revamp. Well, I get it. It's very clever. Then, much like they were going to do Morticia, but call her Vampyra, now they want to do Vampyra, but call her Elvira. And Elvira's involvement with this was sort of late in the game. 
and that they were like, we want you to be a character called Vampira. So she came back with them with like sort of a new wave punk yeah. version. But they were like, no, something uh, black and dark. So she went for the same Morticia Adams look and then came up with like the Valley Girl character. Yeah. So when it comes to her stealing Vampira, I think it was the station that was trying to steal from Vampira. And really, I think the only parts as a character that got taken are the same parts that were already being taken from Charles Adams. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, they didn't have to start her show with her walking down a hallway. Yeah. She could have come out of a coffin. She could have come down a flight of steps. She could have already been sitting. Mm, That's another one. (laughs) The chaise lounge surrounded by candles. Oh, right. I'm still going to point my finger at the station itself because Elvira was like two years old. Mm-hmm. when Vampire came out. Right. She might have flipped through some old Life magazines, but like we've just been saying, no footage exists. Right. And plus, we seem to be choosing the paths of least douchery when trying to explain for either side. I like to do that. I think that's our style. We like Vampire. We like Elvira. Yeah. We want to believe that it was all a series of people just not seeing eye to eye. Yeah. And through it all... Charles Adams is pretty great. (laughs) Exactly. And he got his. When we're together, darling, every night is Halloween. Attack of the 50-foot woman. Incredibly huge. With incredible desires for love and vengeance. The message is, Mars needs women. The Elvira. As Elvira. Mistress of the Dark. But if they ever ask about me, tell them I was more than just a great set of... It's the greatest double feature of all time. Here's something you may not have known. Previous to, like, last week, I had never seen Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I did know that because you told me, I think, that you hadn't seen it. Confess to you. Yeah, I know. It came out in 1988. To watch it in today's day and age, there's a lot of jokes of the era. I loved the jokes. One of my favorite jokes of all time is in it, which is that she hits her head. Oh my gosh, Elvira, I'm sorry. Are you all right? Yeah, I think so. How's your head? I haven't had any complaints yet. (laughs) Oh, that's a good joke. Zombie, the living dead. Friends, a roaring fire. The perfect time for hot Dr. Pepper. Movie in store for us. Revenge of the creature. It's you who's been stealing those limbs from the amputee operations. So what if it is? That's a hot idea. Yes, Dr. Pepper is delicious, cold or hot. Do you know this face? Do you know this voice? <laughs> a dinner was served for three at Dracula's house by the sea. Ooh. Your dinners were fine, but I choked on my wine when I learned that the main course was me. <laughs> so we've been, we've been doing a lot of talking about really just two horror hosts. Yeah. And we both got just pages of notes because we've been trying to take this great big world and encapsulate it. Mm-hmm. Who else you got? Should we talk about Zachary? Philadelphia's Who's Zachary. still alive. He's in his 90s. I, he seems so charming. He seems like he was such a, like he is such a kind man. Zachary is his real name. When he was John in Phil- Zachary? John Zachary. Yeah. Started as Roland in Philadelphia when he moved to New York. Roland. It's uh, not pronounced Roland when you read it, but yeah, they, they like say Roland. Roland. 
Uh, when he moved to New York, then he just became Zachary. Mm-hmm. So he was in the 50s because Dinner with Drac came out in 1958. So by then he was already Zachary. Yeah. So he was early in the game. He was really early in the game. There's some footage of him still exists. Fans actually are responsible for preserving what's mm-hmm. left of him. I actually found this really amazing YouTube video that I didn't watch all of yet, but I got through a lot of it. It was like a Zachary retrospective hosted by Zachary. Was that I don't know when it came out. Zachary's Archives? Yes. That was in 1998. So, and he's explaining, like, here's this great segment. And then they show the segment. There's just like an hour and a half of this. It's amazing. The films are pretty bad. But uh, you know how it is we make do with what we've got around here. I was really taken by his really dry delivery because yeah. he wasn't one of these who was, you know, I am Zachary. He didn't have like a big accent. It was just kind of, he was very matter of fact and very dry, but to like almost genius level, you know, like it was almost Jack Benny, not quite, but you know, that kind of like, I'm aware that this is a joke, but I'm not going to let you know, like we're not going to, I'm just. Well, he certainly laughs enough. Yeah, that's true. And I think like he would also laugh anytime he got stuck for something to say. <laughs> well, which, it works. Which is a trait for um, Count Floyd from SCTV. I don't know Count Floyd. He was a character on SCTV. He was sort of one of my entry points to horror hosts. More than that, when Martin Short had his own cartoon, his Ed Grimley cartoon, the character of Count Floyd would come in live as like the host of a kid show at this point. And so whenever he gets stuck, he'd be like, oh, very, very scary. Um, <laughs> so he would howl every time he got stuck <laughs> just like Zachary seemed to laugh every time like the next line wasn't really occurring to him yeah which the line they were never really scripted they would just sort of have an outline of just like okay you're gonna take these wind-up toys and send them through the middle of like a little arc of electricity and we're all gonna watch what happens and he was good at playing and he had his wife yeah who you uh, never saw? my dear my dear my dear who was like Below him in a, like... I heard casket. I also heard laundry hamper. Yeah. And then he had the amoeba, which I saw footage of, which was like this squishy thing it's that he would like mostly hit. Jello. He would like slap it and it would go... And it was really, really gross. Yeah. But I, I think that's... I just bring those up because A, they're fun, but B, he had stuff to play with. And those were the kind of... Like, there would be recurring bits with my dear, his wife, and his amoeba. And then there would be gags with all kinds of props they had. And he was dressed kind of like a pallbearer. Yeah. And as, as we go through this, I, I want to point out how so many of these horror hosts, they couldn't afford sidekicks. I mean, some of them had sidekicks, and th- those were great. But so many of them just had, like, imaginary sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Like, my dear. Yeah. You know, they needed someone to, like, talk to and bounce things off of. So he had, like, I think he had another friend who was just, like, a head in a bag. Mm-hmm. He also had uh, Igor. But right. he, he, it's like, like Igor was, like, his man behind the camera. Or... My dear, who, like, if my dear talked back, they would just take, like, the sounds, like, some kind of animal noises on, like, a sped-up tape, like squirrels or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yes, my dear, but first we'll show the movie. Yeah. Or there would be, like, oh, just a skeleton, you know, sitting in a chair, and that would be someone's sidekick, just yeah. someone to, like, Kind of like the skeleton to. you have in the living room. Kind of, yeah. I don't talk to it quite so much, but if you weren't here, you know, mm-hmm. might, might chat. This is KTTV Studios in Hollywood to Mount Wilson. We are being attacked by the slime people. We are going to bring you Frankenstein versus Dracula. There's only one Budweiser beer when you say Bud, you said it all. The Air Force is standing by with an atom bomb. 
You can't drop an atom bomb on Chicago. <laughs> this is Dr. Paul Bearer, and I'll be lurking for you next on Creature Feature. Because I didn't grow up with a local horror host, because I was it was just before my time, but I knew I knew some people did, and there must have been someone local to my area. So I looked up a horror host that was featured in North Carolina for a little bit of time, and he, his name was Dr. Paul Bearer. Yes, who which, was on the air for about twenty years or more. Yeah, he he spent most of his time in Florida, but he he was in North Carolina for a time, and he hosted locally at like I guess some old theaters or something a Saturday morning kitty show. So, like, shows for the kids, but in character. They, they would do that. And, like, twist contests with the teenagers. This was, like, a regular thing. And I saw pictures of tickets. And you could get in. Admission was 25 cents or five Sundrop cans. I know I've talked to you about Sundrop. Have we had Sundrop together? It's soda. But it's a... We've it's, never imbibed Sundrop. You can get it out here now. At least, I know you can get Cheerwine here, which is from the same company. But for years, I couldn't get Sundrop here, and it was always like, I had to go back home. It's, um, Sundrop is like a citrusy, kind of like a Mountain Dew, but it's not Mountain Dew. It's better. But I just loved that. I loved that not only was he a host on television, but you could go see him locally, and yeah, well, he'd host your twist contest. That's, that's something we haven't really got, soda cans. gotten into a lot, and that's one of the best parts about the horror hosts. The part, parts that I love, indeed. Every city had theirs. And they were local heroes. They were local figures. And you could mail things into them. Mm-hmm. And I read about that, too. Goularty, in particular. Cleveland seems very big on, on its horror hosts. And there's a whole lineage that I'm not even sure I can keep straight in my head of those guys. And I think my, my roommate, uh, Ben, his mom and his aunt once mailed, like, a doll in to be blown up. Oh, my gosh. By, like, on by air? Goularty. Yeah, on air. Wow. They would do it with, like, cherry bombs. Yeah, I was reading one of the hosts, you could write in and you'd get back a Blood Buddies card or something. Yeah, like you basically could be blood a buddies. membership card. You could be part of like the Ghoul Scouts or the Ghoul Crew. Or, <laughs> I think a lot of it's them had them. Puns. Some of it was just under the name of Fan Club. But yeah, they're great puns. This is a pun heavy business. So amazing. I love puns more than yeah. anything. Here's one of Dr. Paul Bearer's. Oh, uh, well, it's just, just a thing. He said, um, it's not the cough that carries you off. It's the coffin they carry you off in. And I think that was his go-to if he had to cough. I watched part of a 20th anniversary special because he, at Bush he Gardens? was hosting. Yes, yeah, yeah. he was hosting Creature Features 20 years before, and so they did like a 20th anniversary live thing. He, he, also, he went on for a few more years. Yeah, he also used the phrase "decomposing some music" a few times, which I thought was really funny. Well, as you can see, we made contact with the spirit world. At least a bottle of old croak, anyway. <laughs> well, now that I've successfully contacted the spirit world, let's see if you can make contact with the rest of our horrible old movie. <laughs> the other thing that made me kind of sad is I was reading about when he died. He died during surgery. Yes. He also had, like, a few episodes banked of, like, whatever he was... He was still working, and his family, like, wouldn't allow them to air the last few episodes. Like, it's like they weren't embracing the... I would have... Look, I understand. You go through this kind of thing. It's it's hard. I, I really do understand, but I, it just kind of made me sad. I was like, wow, you know, wouldn't you want to honor his legacy by... Yeah. Showing the last few episodes Another recorded. host that, that I looked into who, who died while still, you know, a lot of these hosts, they do it for like five years and they're done, was Dr. Shock. Oh. Let me turn to my Dr. Shock page. 
Uh, real name Joe, and I'm afraid I'm S A W I S L A K. Zal. Zal. So His real name was Joe. <laughs> and he was on for 10 years, 69 to 79. He's got one of those great stories where they tried to take him off the air, and then the station was inundated with so many letters <gasps> and so many like local protests that they brought him back. So he, he, I think he did like 13 episodes, and then when he came back, that's when he brought with him his daughter, Doreen, but because one of their sponsors was a Bubbles Booth Soda, she was known as Bubbles. Oh. And there's some great photos of her on the show. First, maybe it was her introduction. You just see like this cardboard dungeon as they tend to sort of hang For out sure. in, which we, we haven't talked about because there's no, a million things to talk about. <laughs> some hosts would be in just like vacant blackness. Very popular, though, was some kind of dungeon or castle or haunted house. Yes, naturally. But it was also local TV, and when it went to color, you could really see how much it was just like a painted yeah. set. Yeah. So you'd see this little girl, uh, infant, uh-huh. in this kind of set, and then the coffin opens, and and here comes this ghoulish-looking fellow who's Dr. Shock, and she just starts like bouncing up and down and clapping her hands, because it was her dad. That's adorable. And he would do segments and he would just sort of like sit her up on the i'll just call it the counter Mm -hmm. where he would be like oh i just got a letter from so and so that's another thing they would get local mail they'd read your birthday yeah that's why these guys were so popular place to place it felt really accessible accessible when he died he died of a heart attack and at the like age of like 42 oh god died in, in 1979 after he died one of his uh writers for the show hosted like a clip show a best of, a, like, a dedication to Dr. Shock. And they did a nice montage of Bubbles Aww. growing up, zero to ten, basically, on the show. And she wouldn't dress up like a little vampire or anything. She was just It would just be like baby. this ghoulish... By the way, he, he looked like a heavy Zachary. He was okay. really model, modeling his asked. look okay. after Zachary. Um, he was his own character, though. He was also... An amateur magician. A lot of these guys, one, were DJs, broadcasters. Sometimes they already worked at the station. I think Sir Cecil Creep in Nashville was a cameraman for the station. Yeah, Bob Wilkins, I feel like, got pulled in the same way. Yeah, he was in, in marketing. Uh-huh. Zachary, I believe, was, was a local DJ. There's a lot of... If they weren't DJs at the time or before, some of them found work afterwards as DJs. I know uh, Zachary among them. And Elvira, actually. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Wikipedia. Hey, Bubbles. Bubbles! You and I have been uh, going to take your blood bath now. Because you've been invited to a real cool party. Dr. Shot is throwing a party. <laughs> he was, though, like an amateur magician. He had sort of a, a creepy character that he did for like a guillotine act. In the meantime, though, he was just like a regular workaday guy. I think he like managed a deli and an arcade and just work where he could get it. And at the barber shop, he ran into a guy who was like, oh, yeah, PHL 17 is going to be looking for a horror host. Wow. And, uh, you know, he auditioned and got it. And, you know, he became Dr. Shock. That's really fun. With a voice that sort of resembled, I'm just looking at my notes, uh, W.C. Fields. Okay. Sort of like a, was doing that kind of character. But he would do other characters, too. But that tribute to him, like most things you and I found, is on YouTube. The video goes in and out. And that's its own tragedy mm-hmm. there that, like. That they actually had video of him with which to make this best of. Unlike other horror hosts where it's just like off to the ether. You know, it would air and then just disappear. Yeah. 
Which is why the documentary that you bought me, thank you, for yeah. my birthday. You're welcome. And that I lent you is mostly talking heads. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's some clips. Yeah. But it's mostly people recollecting it because it's almost an oral history at this point because yeah. such little videotape uh, remains. The movie you're talking about is American Scary. Which, for me, I was aware of horror hosts, but when I caught it on Hulu, I was just like, it's this whole thing. Yeah. That. And that's definitely where I learned about Bob Wilkinson. Bob Wilkins. Oh my God, I'm going to walk into the ocean. <laughs> Welcome to Channel 2's version of Saturday Night Fever. And tonight, um, there, there will be a creature, get someone, because we've got a movie about devil worshippers. They're nasty people. When they want somebody, they really go after them. I had seen that image of what I now know as Bob Wilkins that circulates everywhere out of context. And Just I've even shared it without knowing who it was that says, watch horror films, keep America strong. And it's this bespectacled, like, kind of cute guy with the th- well that's me putting my own thing sure but, i was uh, gonna say it looks like john denver sure well maybe that's my thing you don't know yeah. um and now i know it's bob wilkins who was in san francisco yeah the very definition of mild-mannered man oh man no vampire affectation here he's just uh we're here today to talk about uh this uh spooky feature here like just your regular guy yeah. even though it would be set in a haunted house set yeah there would be like shrunken heads and he had the skull with a candle on yes. it yes and, and he would, he would smoke this... his cigar yeah he said he just needed something in his hands for his stage fright oh did he yeah oh that's pretty cute and he'd um just mildly tell us about the movie and here's another thing about some of the, the horror hosts. They would just tell you if the movie was bad. <laughs> and a lot of them would get good jokes out of it being bad. And then later, MST3K would make a whole art form right. out of... Well, even Elvira in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, she's talking to the guy who owns the movie theater in town. And she's like, do you ever show this one or this one? Oh, man, those are so bad. Yeah. You know, and she, but she says it enthusiastically. Like, she loves... She's like, you gotta get some old Roger Corman movies in here. Which, at the time... Particularly when, you know, it first started, and I, I guess I'll just go back to Gullardi if, if nobody else. It was such a revolution because I think TV would put a happy spin on anything they were giving you. Every product was the best product. Right. Every TV show, you're going to love it. Just stay tuned. But then to have somebody come on and be like, oh, boy, this movie we're going to show you, is it a stinker? <laughs> of course, Bob Wilkinson would be a little more, you know, well, you know, it's a... Uh, not bad in this part and this part, although, uh, you know, just hang in yeah. there with it. Yeah. After the second commercial break, it's going to get a little good, but then, you know. Yeah, he did. That, he'd he'd, he'd mildly try to find the silver lining. Um, Affable, that guy. Mm. <laughs> and what I want you to do tonight is sort of stick with this film like it was yours. It was your first effort, okay? And you can tune it off, tune out of it, whenever you think that you could have done a better job. All right? It's a werewolf. A weird wolf. A werewolf. I'll kill you, alligator man! Just like I'd kill any four-legged gator! Here I am, kid. Hey, isn't watching TV fun? Especially when you got delicious McDonald's hamburgers. <laughs> hey, Goulardi's too cool. <laughs> he gets the poor cameraman open up the box. Yeah, they got a little shocker in there, babies. You're pretty tricky, right? You didn't catch Goulardi, I'll tell you that. Skipping around, okay, I've mentioned Goulardi. Mm-hmm. Is he the hippie one, or is that Sven well, Gulli? I can't remember. The first Sven Gulli was like a hippie. That's right. I'm glad you brought that up. 
The Shock Package came out in 57. And what was easy to lampoon at the time, particularly in the late 50s, were beatniks. Yeah. This is only for the cool cats. Sterile creeps can crawl out now. And that's why Goulardi was anything with a goatee was considered a beatnik parody. It was all like Manergy Kreb. One of the very early horror hosts is a guy who was just named Marvin. And he was considered a beatnik. And I'm like, well, what makes him a beatnik? It's like, oh, he's got like a long sleeve black shirt and some sunglasses. I was like, oh, beatnik enough. Sidekicks tended to be beatniks. I think it was just sort of like an easy, like, I need a character. What have I got? You know, most people don't have lab coats, but they might have like a black turtleneck. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, just be one of those wacky beatniks. Right. That's a good character. In other words, I'm saying I am hip. Dig yourself, baby. You got a way to go. So Goulardi, very popular. He left to move to Hollywood when his friend Tim Conway got him on a Western show, which led to him then becoming the voice of ABC. And you'll meet our special guest rocket balls, Tit. And then, as you know, his son, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Who named his production company Goulardi, uh, which at the time I was like, that's a funny word. But now I know all about him. Wait, so there was a point in time when you didn't know anything about horror hosts? I knew less. Oh, okay. Certainly less about Goulardi, who... Now, there's a few stories like this I've come across, which is, like, some kid or teenager or young man will be a fan and start writing in jokes or something. Or, in this case, a 13-year-old went to a Goulardi public appearance at an amusement park, and he was dressed in this, like, grill outfit, and it was, like, crazy hot, and Goulardi was like, Hey, you got something, kid! And he brought him on to, like, work on the show and, like, uh, to open his fan mail. And he became, like, like a part of the show. He was, like, a gopher. And then when uh, Goulardi left, he then worked for the next guys. And when, when they finished up, he later became the ghoul. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then after the ghoul, a guy won a ghoul lookalike contest. You know, like, that was one of the many public events that mm-hmm. they would do. You know, they'd go to supermarkets and discos and, and depending on the era. And they would hold lookalike contests. And he later became son of the ghoul. Wow. Just like they had Sven Gulli, who was, he actually died within the last couple of years. The guy who's now on MeTV, which I love that one of the old guard, I'll just say, yeah. is nationally, like I watched it in Pennsylvania when I went home for Christmas. I watched with my dad. He's now got the name Sven Gulli, but before that he was son of Sven Gulli. Mm-hmm. And he started basically the same way, you know, as, as a young man, I think we're like writing in to the original Sven Gulli. Cute. And Bob Burns, who now that Forrest J. Ackerman is dead, I think he's the great guy whose biggest credit is just that of mega fan. You know, he, he's a, a great collector of memorabilia. And I met him for like a hot second once. And he let me touch the original armature for King Kong. Cool. And he was in the army and he was like stationed in Texas. And the local horror host really didn't do a whole lot. So he started like, he had like makeup training. And he was like, you know, I can come in like as this character. And they're like, great, come on. And while you're at it, write some sketches. Yeah. So there was a great accessibility to the community. And that's how some of the horror, like the, I'll just call them the second generation of horror hosts. That's how they came about. Like, through the originals. You know, you could just drive to the station. Like in Fright Night. Just yeah. go to the TV station. Like, oh, Mr. Vincent. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. Also, a similar story in Pittsburgh. Um, who was the Pittsburgh host? 
Bill Cardell, Chili Billy. Uh, he did go on to be in Night of the Living Dead as a reporter. If I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot him in the head. Which, again, a lot of these guys were reporters, weathermen, people who just worked at the station. All of who had some kind of hidden talent. Yeah. For hosting spooky movies. Good evening and welcome to the Castle of Chills, WPXI's Chiller Theater, the Saturday Late Show. I'm Bill Cardell, Chili Billy, and we are in search of the lost continent. Chili Billy was one of the guys who wouldn't dress up but he wore like a tuxedo. And a young Tom Savini, who is a, a Pittsburgh native, mm-hmm. he showed up. He was 13 years old. So wow. he like had a friend drive him. And he just showed up at the studio with these like friends in like monster makeup. And the show's just like, hey, free monsters. Come on the air, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of great stories of just like, ah, kid, come on. What a time. You got something. Yeah, what a time. Kids, it's me, your friend Graham Poe. I gotta tell you, I am starting a new club, and I want you to join. It's called the Junior Vampires of America. I mean, you'll hear scary monster stories. Now, to call, you gotta ask your parents' permission and call this phone number, 1-900-909. You sucked out her brains? Yeah, right through her mouth. Is she dead? It is now time for the Here at Drive-In Theater, we call it spam in a cabin. The teenagers go in, the teenagers do not come out. Taking us up to the 90s, which was when I was watching a lot of TV, and, and you as well, you watched Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah, I forgot that I had until I was watching, or you sent me a Joe Bob Briggs It must have been a movie. the movie we were covering. Like Freaks? No, Funhouse. Funhouse. I forgot about him. Yeah. And I forgot about TNT's Monster Vision until you sent me that clip and I was like, oh yeah, I watched this. And so, Joe yeah, Bob Briggs, him. not his real name. His real name is uh, John Bloom. He started out as like a columnist in Dallas and like, like a, a local personality there. Mm-hmm. And then went on to the movie channel and there's probably a few steps in between. And then wound up on TNT's Monster Vision. And much like the guy who replaced... Bob Wilkins, John Stanley, very heavy with the facts. Facts about the movies. Yeah. Which is, is something I really like, because that's also something we do. Well, in the clip that you sent me about him talking about Funhouse, a lot of really smart jokes about yes. like, things. Like, he was, he was referencing philosophy and philosophers, and, like, he was using a lot of big words, and I was like, these are kind of, like, smarty-pants in-jokes. Like, I'm impressed. And I remember, also lowbrow humor. Like, this weird yeah, combination of those great two mix. things. And I don't think he gets enough credit for creating the character. Now that Grandma has left the room, let's take a look at the old Evil Dead barf meter. This is the Paint the Room Red Vomit Champion of the 1980s, and as you can see, it's off the scale. He was showing the dead zone and said, you know, and everything told through the accent, it's almost like, so anything smart sneaks up on you. Yeah. But he would said, uh, you know, Cronenberg is a cartoonist uh, following Descartes, who believes that the mind and the body are linked, so is... You know, right. and then he like compared it to like what was happening to Christopher Walken in the dead zone. Yeah. I was like, what yeah. am I looking at here? Yeah, yeah. Because he's an easily dismissible character, Joe Bob Briggs, and an easily dismissible personality. 
if you're just watching like like a, a promo or something, you're just sure. being like, oh, this guy. But there's a bit more there. There's a lot more there. Yeah. And I'm only recently quite glad that a lot of it's found its way to YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think at some point I might just like watch some old movie on DVD and like and stop try to while, try to match it up. I thought about try that to match myself. it up with like an old Monster Vision yeah. or, or drive-in theater. I thought about doing that myself. Be nice to watch things, that movie with things Joe to Bob. do while I'm alone. Yeah, exactly. Chia, Chia Pet, the pottery that grows. Also in the 90s, and this was, the more I think about it, just a, a revolution for me, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Marshall, I, I watched a good bit, I think, as a kid, but not really thinking about it. It was just there and I watched just on. it. But man, oh man, I watched some clips, just bits and pieces, because there are full movies online. You can go on YouTube. Don't I know watch. it. I bet you do. And I started watching this one, and there was some kind of, like, old public service announcement that was, you know, a good ten minutes long Those are fun. for the movie. And this one was about, like, this girl in college who was getting engaged way too early with her boyfriend. But it was all very prim and proper, and her college roommate was, like, the voice of reason. But she looked 50, but she was supposed to be in college. And a lot of the jokes they were making had to do with, like, how, you know, she's like, Julie, you should listen to me. And then they'd go, like, I'm 102. You know, like, they, but I'm not doing it justice because... I was bark laughing, like just right out loud, like every 10 seconds watching MST3K. And I I don't remember it being so damn funny. Well, it ages with you in that, yeah. like, for me, when I was a teenager, there were jokes that I'd get. And then there were like references I didn't get. And I'd be like, mm, OK, on to the next one, because it was like, bam, 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 bam. If you don't get a joke, don't worry. There'll be another one that you will. Yeah. And now I'm older. I go back and rewatch it and I get like. 20% more jokes, but there's still jokes I don't get. And I like to think that if I just live my life and read more books, yes, what have 100%. you. Now, as far as it being an extension of the horror hosts, it really is. Yeah, there are buddies along There the are buddies along with it. They are accessible. They would read mail on the air if you sent them like pictures. I didn't remember those sketches either. I've got VHS tapes still existing back in Philadelphia. Of I would just tape the sketches. Oh, like, fun. Those were so... Funny and warm in the sense that, like, it was made in Minnesota. I tried to get my family during a family vacation through Minnesota to stop because they gave tours, like, once every two months. Oh, cool. And I missed it by, like, four days. Oh, yeah. That hurts. They had the MST3K Info Club. You could mail away, like, your fan mail. I sent them, like, a one-sentence letter. I labored over it, and I was just like, if there was a Mystery Science Theater board game, I'd buy it. Marshall. Wow. Mailed a it off. ringing endorsement. <laughs> Never got read on the air. But what I did get as a result was I would get the um, their newsletter every so many months, you know, would, would come to my house. And a then physical newsletter? All of which I still have, again, back across the country. Here I go. I'm at your service. Okay, what do you want? Listen up. Chocolate ice cream. Okay, chocolate ice cream. Good. Captain Crunch with Crunch okay, Berry. Okay, Captain yeah. Crunch with Crunch Berry. All right. Circus Peanuts. All right. Circus Peanuts. Mr. Pib. Mr. Pib. All yeah, right. Now Marshmallow Pib over here. Lots of Marshmallow Peeps. Okay, Marshmallow Peeps. Isn't yeah. this going to be kind of sweet? And because they made it in Minnesota, and I guess they brought with it whatever a Minnesota sensibility would be, just going on when Joel was the host mike was an extension of this he wasn't like 
apparent to the robots. He was almost like their camp counselor. Uh-huh. If they were all supposed to be like 12, he was like 16. They were just a little more rambunctious than him. And he just kind of had to like keep everything running okay, but let's all have fun. And just the fact that it was all on one set and the way that they presented, you know, the concept of being stuck in space and but they could still get mail from their fans and, and that kind of thing. It just felt and feels very homey. It really feels like the kind of thing you would watch in a place that gets an abnormal amount of snow. And the kind of thing that you would enjoy in a place where you're going to be spending a lot of time indoors. Yeah. And you feel like you got some friends. Yeah. Oh, cripes. I remember oh, that Oh, yeah. You got to dress oh. for it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Hey, the temperature of that got all the way down to about 14 below oh, zero, dear. Yeah, you Earl. don't know the half of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Earl had to jumpstart the Chevy that day. Oh, oh yeah. Hey, the snow was yay high and he come up the back way he had to, you know. Uh, let's see here. When Zachary, I'm just, just spitting out, you know, interesting things I'd found. He asked his audience, this was like his first measure of just how big he'd gotten. He was like, I'm going to make a, a pillow for my deer. Can you all send me three strands of hair? And he got 23,000 letters with locks of hair in it. Oh. Yeah. Did he make the pillow? That's a good question. Yeah, I would. I, I guess mean, he had enough at that point. Ew. And his giant amoeba. Was a jello wrapped in cheesecloth, by the way. Ew. Sidekicks. Sidekick? Tarantula Ghoulhead Milton, the scarred hunchback gardener. Chuck Zink in Miami had Screamin' Mimi, a five foot witch head. Guy in Seattle had a sidekick called Our Boy Frankie, which was just a guy in a Frankenstein mask. Mad Daddy, he was a rhyming hipster, is how he was described. And I wrote in parentheses, Beatnik? Because <laughs> that was just what was hot. And then the Cramps wrote a song about him called Mad Daddy. Also, Morgus out of uh, New Orleans, I first heard of from a Dr. John song called Morgus. The Magnificent. Which I think I put on one of your Halloween mixes. Um, Probably you did. Of all the songs about horror hosts, with respect to the Misfits, I'd say the best one is Morgus the Magnificent by Dr. John. It's a, it's a toe tapper. <laughs> Magnificent. Morgus the Magnificent, who got a movie, actually. Elvira's not the only one. It's just, I haven't been able to find it, but it's called, like... The Wacky World of Dr. Morgus. His assistant was Chopsley, a big executioner, who was actually a sheriff's department deputy. Wait, in real life? In real life, yeah. No. Yeah. Played by Tommy George, a deputy with the sheriff's department and horror fan, who made his own executioner's acts. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Morgus got so many phone calls at the TV station, 10 lines were added, and they all went to a recorded message uh, of Morgus. Smart. Being like, sorry, I'm busy in the lab. Good evening, friends of science, students, those of the higher order. (laughs) David Allen in Ohio was just a floating head, while George Byron in Colorado would disappear a little bit at a time. I guess... Like the, at the uh, end or just throughout the I think show? like through the show. Oh, he would like just his sort of, hands would go away or? I picture kind of like in Back to the Future. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Terrifying. There was Dr. Lucifer who had a, an eye patch and he would order shuck tails for two. Mm. He had several sidekicks, including Frantic Freddy, the hipster, which I think was just code for beatnik. Yeah. Guy called the outsider and who would read stories from the Necronomicon. So, yeah. 
guy in Virginia, he was also Bungles the Clown during the day, but a horror host by night. Bungles the Clown. And Polka. Maybe it's just Middle America, but the more I dig into horror hosts, even some of today, and I think it, it might just be a correlation between public access TV, like that's where you find the polka, and that's just another example of like local heroes, like local polka people. Mm-hmm. And they both seem to share a sense of camp. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There's something very silly about both things, and it, it's an interesting marriage. The two never seem to be too far apart from each other. Oh, and Chili Billy. He hosted lots of things, including Kitty Show, Stock Car Racing, a Mysteries of the Unknown show, a wrestling show, and a polka show. <laughs> That's Pittsburgh for you. Polka, 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 polka. No? It's Twin Lakes polka, Damavuji polka, a.k.a. Kiss Me polka, polka twist. Somehow Detroit, I've, I just kept reading about, you know, I got that, that book. It was written in 91, so it didn't include... You know, one, the endings to lots of these guys' stories. But um, Elena M. Watson wrote Television Horror Movie Hosts, which she would just give all, all these biographies about like, different horror hosts, you know, their careers. And a lot of them seem to start in one place and then end up in Detroit. So, again, a place with a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. You know, people are indoors a lot. Correlation? Yeah. Polka, beatniks, lots of snow. That's what I'm finding. Beatniks, mm-hmm. dancing to polka... In a snowstorm. In a snowstorm. That's Equals horror host. Uh, yeah. Uh, the ghoul had a sidekick that was just called Camera 4, even though he had only one camera. He would just speak to like, hey, Camera 4, get it together. We're <laughs> doing this thing. He was crazy high energy. So I was reading this book at work, and a guy came up, and he was just like, oh, can I see that? He opened right to the ghoul, and it's like he started speaking in tongues. He was like, hiya, 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 hiya. I was like, what? What's happening? That was like, like the ghoul's thing. And I was like, oh, I guess you're from Cleveland. Then he's like, oh, yeah, man, the ghoul. You know, he'd come on and he, he would just, just start telling me like the gold gags that he did. Like like a, a monster would open the door and then you would hear like, hello, baby. And um, he was so happy with just the idea of reading about the ghoul. It was really just the response that you want to see out of someone who grew up with a horror host. Lights out. And now. Movies, folks. Uh, Dr. Paul Bear. He was an advertising director. Really? First. Yeah. Um, some of these guys, you know, they were real kind of on the floor being cameramen. Some of them came out of the offices. It's really just a, here, you do it <laughs> kind of job. Yeah. It, it seems for a lot of them at first. And then it just took off in all kinds of wonderful ways. Now, a lot of them, after completing their runs as horror hosts, they wouldn't disappear completely. Like, their characters wouldn't, you know, as people, they'd go on to other jobs, often right. DJs or the voice of ABC. But the characters, even after going off the air, they would come up in Halloween specials. They'd bring them back every year. So even some people who didn't know them as every Friday, Saturday night, or Saturday nights at midnight with a double feature, got to know them as, like, a Halloween tradition, which is pretty nice. They're still around, although the heyday... It wasn't in American Scary, which is where I thought I got the information, but I guess I read it somewhere else, which is in 1984, the laws changed. The FCC deregulated how many hours of content you needed versus how many hours of, how many minutes of commercial. You know, you had like this ratio. Uh, You couldn't just have all commercial. And who would watch an hour long commercial anyway? That's madness. But in 1984, 
the laws changed and a TV station could just straight up run infomercials mm -hmm. into the night. Didn't need some old horror movie. Didn't need some old horror movie host. Maybe taste changed too. Saturday Night Live certainly took a lot of the ratings out of Saturday nights. The Midnight Monster movie kind of got replaced with a... What's a popular infomercial? Oh, God. Sham Wow. Oh, Sham Wow. Yeah, I hate to pin on this on Sham Wow. But... Screw you, Sham Wow. <laughs> I'm going to get out of here now. It's awfully damp in the old cellar here. And uh, we'll see you next week. An unpleasant dream. Until next week, good night, sleep tight, and don't let the Betty Bugs bite. I'll be lurking for you. <laughs> Push the button, Frank. So, Kat, the horror hosts, they're not gone. They're out there if you want to look for them. And once you start looking for them, you find a ton of stuff. Yes. So much stuff, it's hard to fit it all into an hour. Indeed. Um, it's a tradition going back 60 years. There's a lot there. And at the same time, not as much as you'd like because there was so little uh, preservation of the real pioneers of this medium. Yeah, I didn't realize that going into it, but it's true for a vampire and it's true for a lot of these these other guys. Elvira is a little different because she's, you know... She came about at a time when videotape was plentiful. So we have people's recollections, people's fond recollections, and lots of clips on YouTube. There's DVDs you can send away for. Just, you know, if you want to look, it's, it's there. And the new guard, the internet folks. Keeping the fires burning with uh, mostly royalty-free movies. And I hope maybe there's some kids, I don't know what the equivalent, I mean, maybe there's some kids online discovering this instead of porn and going... Yeah, eventually. Well. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the idea is you want to keep that stuff passed on. And maybe the latest iteration, the horror movie podcast. Whoa. Did I blow your mind? Yeah, that was a Keanu Reeves. Whoa. You got out of me. Speaking of which... Hey, everybody, you've reached the end of this one. If you want to bring up anything we forgot to mention, you can uh, write to us at Facebook. Give us a like over there, Boys and Ghouls. You can reach us on Twitter, Boys and Ghouls at Twitter. Our Instagram is Boys and Ghouls Podcast. Or you can write to us at boysandghouls at gmail.com. This episode was a real handful, I must say. Yeah, it's, it's a research-heavy versus, like, oh, we watched these two movies, and then we're going to talk about them, or three movies. This is iceberg tip. Yeah. action we've got going on here but uh for just uh myself and cat now we will have a whole nother language we can speak to each other yes of horror hosts and references and i'm so glad we did this also uh a lot of these horror hosts had their own outros like pleasant nightmare oh yeah um and other things i've written down in, in this <laughs> notebook that I wrote in half of and really should have gone through. You, and you had a lot of notes. Really should have highlighted the more important parts so I could just rattle off a bunch of uh, sign-offs right now. But perhaps, Kat, you can tell us our own sign-off. Beware the moon. Beware the moon.
ਦੇਖਦਾ ਹੈ 